Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Deeper than the sea. No? It's doing great. All right, let's do it. All right. We're recording. We are recording. Already? Yeah, that was Josh. Good. Josh Garrels. 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 That was a um, special request. Do you want to start it over? Start it over? No, we're going to play it on the uh, track when we oh, okay. mix it. Girls. Josh Girls. That was a song called Water- Flood Waters. This guy is good. You know why, you know why I like him, Joe? Why do you like him? Because Sunit Seleski likes him. I'm not surprised. Sunit is our mutual That's friend. a reason to like anything. Sunit Seleski. She sounds Polish, but she's actually African. She's dark-skinned Polish. She is from Eritrea. Which is not a country. Uh, it's Narnia, actually. <laughs> and uh, Actually, is, that, it is a country. I'm probably offended a lot of people. She's one. I just never heard of it until I met her. One of three wonderful girls, and uh, she loves Josh Garrels. Josh Garrels is interesting because he's a Christian artist, but he's not like, as uh, the poppy kind of, you know, Christian crap that you like. What? What does that oh, even sorry. mean? You know what I mean? Like, some Christian music is just like so, I don't know. Well, have you heard that, um... This is kind of a topic change, but have you heard of this uh, new Crowder uh, CD? That Dude, that guy is more Catholic than I am. The Requiem Mass? David Crowder wrote a Requiem Mass. It's amazing. And yeah. I think he wants to be Catholic. Well, listen, there's a blog out there that's the equivalent of our podcast. Do you think he listens to our podcast? Absolutely not. The, Someday. But there's a podcast. That should be our goal. Now, listen, there's a blog called Bad Catholic. Have you seen this? Oh, yes. Father Brian, our good Father friend. Father Brian, our good friend shows. And I actually, Father Brian, who refuses to listen to our podcast, my best bud, um, showed us this blog. It's really good. And the cover of it is nuns smoking cigarettes, and then he's got a Chesterton quote on the side. Really? So he's our kind of guy. He's our kind of guy. That's but, awesome. But um, uh, you, you scroll down a couple days, and he's got an interview with David Crowder about that uh and it's it's crazy. I was, He's I talking was about the really, Eucharist really and the cool. Mass, and you're just like, dude, you're toast. For those of you who don't know who David Crowder is, uh, there's probably none of you out there. I think most people listening to this podcast probably know who David Crowder is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just say yes. What are you drinking? That would be Kentucky's finest bourbon. We should stop this, and you can go get me one. Should we? Uh, um, you can have a sip. Oh, thank you. Oh, Joe, Joe Doman and I away. made a bet tonight. Oh, yeah. You're going to get to work on your German in this podcast. I so, think. um... The bet stands as, as this. Ten years from now, February 9th, 2022. This, lo- this is a lock for me, just so everybody knows. 2022. The bet stands as this. I have to learn German. No, I'd like that drink back, please. That was just for a sip. Oh, are yeah, you serious? Yeah, exactly. And then, um, uh, but the bet stands according to this. I have to read a book of Balthazar's in German uh, by 2012, February 9th, and he has to fly us both to the Maker's Mark Distillery in Kentucky. So if anybody's listening to this and you want to join us, put it on your calendars. February 9th, we'll meet you in Kentucky. He has 10 years to read a Von Balthasar book in German and understand it. That was was an important stipulation. Uh, Yeah, that's going to happen. So come join us February 9th, 2022. It's a lock. So you're going to be taking intensive German? Uh, In June, hopefully. What else am I going to do? I'm a parochial vicar. I hope your German's as good as your Spanish. Oh, stop it. Do you know what vicar means in Latin? A substitute? Nope. Vicarius is yes, the Latin does. word for deputy. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what it's like a substitute. That's where we get the word substitute, is vic, you know, vicarious suffering. But um, 
Vicarius was a Latin phrase for the deputy. I'm the parish deputy. Really? Yeah. Wow, that makes you sound really lame. Totally We should lame. get you a little badge. That's what everybody says when I tell them that. And I always say, yeah, give me that badge, and nobody does. I probably won't do it either. Do you have a podcast topic? Nope. We're just going to talk about our bets. And... So it's like every podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What would the subdeacon be saying right now? He'd be upset. The subdeacon would probably be not celebrating a clown mass. That's, That's for sure. on the mountains. You know, I've never won a bet with Nathan Goble. And I know, and you're not going to win with me. I've either. probably bet Nathan Goble maybe eight or t- eight or nine different times, and I've I've never failed so much. They're always sports related, and I always fail. Nathan's going to owe me a case of beer after this weekend. Worst bet I made recently with him. I made him a bet maybe two or three months ago that the Packers would go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. And win the Super Bowl. I, I got a six pack if I got undefeated in the season, the <laughs> regular season, and another twelve. If they want to, yeah, they won you, need, you need to stop making bets. Yes. Well, no, this isn't going to stop because I want a free ticket to Kentucky. You did. And, and the topic it. is gambling. <laughs> that's right. Why Catholics gamble? And you should too. Uh, no, that's not the topic. No, it's not. The topic today is Lent. Lent? I don't want to think about Lent. I know. I, and this is kind of, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like a lame topic. I feel like you and. And, and uh, the Reverend Brother Nathan do like really cool topics, and sometimes I pull one out that's kind of fun. But this is totally like dude. I just did one. Lame. I just did one on the five types of prayer, and Nathan was yawning during the whole thing. So don't, <laughs> you're not the only one who does boring topics. I liked his uh, snoring noises. Oh my gosh, that was my favorite part. So of the obnoxious. That was awesome. Um, so I think I, maybe a year and a half ago we did one on Advent. Uh, yep. Do you remember that? Was it that long ago? Yeah, it was. A while. It was, wasn't this past year. Okay. So it must have been. It was Crazy. before Advent. So, um, and some people were like, hey, you should do one on that like that. And it we're Lent's actually preemptive. Well, should... wait. No, by the time this comes out, I think Lent will be, will be well into Lent, uh, which I actually didn't think about until right now. So I'm sorry, it's Lent. This probably isn't helpful for you. Hopefully you will find it helpful next Lent. Lent or during Lent. Or now. Maybe it's going to rejuvenate your Lent. So what do you have to say for Lent? Um, well, I guess I was just thinking it would be cool to talk about, like, where did it come from? Why mm. do we do it? Good. This is one of those things that... If you have any non-Catholic friends, they all know that about Ash Wednesday because you get your ashes and then you kind of look funny unless you rub them off and people ask you about it and you're like, right. oh, it's this Catholic thing. And people go, I mean, have you done an Ash? No, you haven't. This will be your first Ash Wednesday. No, no. Uh, as a priest? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were asking if we did a podcast on Ash Wednesday. That was like because two years ago. I've been told that people who don't go to Mass ever go to go to Mass on Ash well, Wednesday. Let me just give you an understanding. We have, seven, we have seven Masses on Ash Wednesday here. On the campus. Wow. Four on the campus, three at the church, and about 10 hours of confessions. So I'm going to be one sick puppy on Ash Thursday. A lot of ashes. It's a lot of ashes. So everybody knows about Lent because of ashes, um, but not a lot of people understand, even Catholics, like know why we do it. But isn't it funny that Catholics who don't practice their faith, who are not interested remotely, they want ashes? I I would want ashes. Ashes think, are kind of cool. I know. I just think it's crazy. Yeah, I, maybe they just want to. They just want the look. It's kind of like their little. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not getting inside their head or anything, but maybe it's their little like, "Hey, I'm Catholic. Just so you know, I got the ashes. This is like my Catholic it. badge, like You're, your deputy badge." If I get to put ashes on your head, it's going to be a huge all the way up that bald front. Oh, you're a jerk. <laughs> for those those of you who have seen a picture of me or haven't, no, I, am bald no, I just had this vision of putting a huge cross on your forehead. Yeah, it's a big forehead. You got a lot of room. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm such a oh, jerk. Oh, man. So do you know where the, this is where the German comes in. I don't even know if this is German, but do you know where the word Lent comes from? Or Lent, what it means? Lentus. Lentus. 
uh, Liechtenstein. It's the stuff in your belly button, right? Uh, it's that's lint. Oh, that's lint. In your belly button, <laughs> not mine. Uh, lent. The word lent itself is Anglo-Saxon, so not German, but they're all kind of related. So Lankton. English. Lankton. Lankton. Which means spring. Spring. Yeah. Nice. And then Lankton-tid, Lankton-tide, which literally <laughs> means, sorry, I got a sign English, so. means springtide. So it was also the word for March. Ah. And it's funny because Lent usually is in March, so it's fitting. Right. But I think spring is kind of a funny, uh, maybe it's just because it's during spring that we have Lent, but it's also, Lent's kind of a springtime. I think sometimes we think about Lent and it's like this ominous, like, uh, kind of like how you were at, like, oh, Lent, Gosh, I Lent. have to sacrifice, right. I have to grow in holiness. Right. Um, but Lent is, is, it's a springtime in a lot of ways because there's a real death that happens, but anything that grows, I mean, there's, there's a death that needs to happen, but it's, it, Lent's not just about sacrifice. I mean, if we just keep it on that plane, like it's just about sacrifice and giving stuff up and suffering, uh, we kind of miss, miss the whole point because it's all ordered towards a greater love in your heart for Christ, a greater preparation for the celebration of Easter. And so it is, there's a springtime going on. Well, it's interesting to think about Lent uh, or spring in the sense that like spring is a season where things are dead mm-hmm. and we kill them, they die, but then they, they, start, to, them. they start to come back to life. Yeah. And that's exciting. And I think if you can see Lent in light of Easter, then you realize that, like, I mortify the flesh, I practice these disciplines, I fast. Right. But then it gives new life. And Easter can only be really, we can only feast it once we fast. And that's right. Go through it. No, it's very true. So the history of Lent, where it comes from, I uh, did a little bit of research for this podcast, kind of rare. Um, <laughs> but uh, we hear about it in the early church, like, all over the place. When I was looking at it, I was like, wow, I thought Lent was... I didn't know exactly when it started. I thought maybe like 4th, 5th century. Um, but it's kind of everywhere. Pope St. Leo was in 5th century, died in like 460-something. Yep. And uh, he he we have documents of his preaching where he talks about the 40 days of Lent and how this is the time of fasting, preparing right. for Easter. Uh, going back 100 years before that, Nicaea actually talks about, refers, it doesn't like stipulate anything about Lent, but it refers to the 40 days of Lent. Really? Early 300s? 325. That was Interesting. Nicaea. I didn't know that. Yeah. And in St. Irenaeus, who was, I think he died in like 203. Right. I mean, this is way back when. He refers, he doesn't talk about 40 days, but he refers to a time of pas- of fasting prep- in preparation for Easter. Cool. And like maybe two or three days, and he talks about 40 hours um, of fasting before Lent, or before Easter. Um, and he even said, but this is something that goes back to our forefathers, which he referred, and he's in two, he's in two hundred three. I mean, so we know that, regardless of what it looked like and how it's evolved, we did something from the very beginning of apostolic times. We've had some period of fasting and preparation for Easter, for Easter. and very early on. I mean, three twenty five. They're already talking about forty days of Lent. That's crazy, man. So this is like this is kind of an old this school is legit. thing. So it's cool for those who are like non Catholics wanting to like get back to the. I don't know, the early church stuff, you the would David think that Crowder types. the David Crowder types would probably be like, hey, the early church, they were doing Lent, you know, so we should hop on board, go get our ashes. Uh, so that's kind of cool. So the number 40, as I'm, most people listening to this probably know, I mean, this is kind of the penitential number all throughout scripture. We see Moses is right. 40 days, 40 nights. Noah, 40 days, 40 nights. Jesus is in the desert for 40 days. 40 years. Is 40 right. years in the, de- in the desert of wandering in the wilderness. Right. But 40 kind of has this... Uh, numbers are all big in in scriptures. And forty well said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number, is, numbers is, are big. Numbers are important. It's, <laughs> that's profound. These insights are just blowing me away. I'm sorry. I'm making fun of you too much. Thanks, man. You're smart. <laughs> I love you, man. This is. I know. This, you're so building me up. Okay. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, we know 40, that, that's kind of, 40 kind of has this penitential connotation. So what do we do in Lent? Uh, the church talks about the three main practices of Lent are, John? Prayer. Prayer. Fasting. Sorry. I'm sorry you were yawning. Almsgiving. I tried to hide the yawn. <laughs> it's getting late. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. That's right. So Lent is the time. These are the practices the church talks about when it comes to Lent. Right. But it's really the time of growing in love of Christ crucified and in love for those around us. And really kind of like getting serious about your faith and, and kind of an intentional, um, all, 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 of, all throughout the year is a time of repentance. It's a time of, of, of drawing closer to the Lord. But Lent in particular is a kind of time to re- push the reset button and be like, all right, this is, this, is, this is what's most important to me. And so the church kind of points to repentance, conversion, changing of your life. Like how can you, how can you we can all grow closer to the Lord. We can all kind of purge parts of our life. Uh, that are keeping us from holiness, and Lent's the kind of the time to. So I love Lent because this is the time to kind of buckle down and be like, all right, let's let's kind of do an inventory, a moral and spiritual inventory of my life, and and uh, and rethink a lot of things. So uh, that's kind of the kind of the the, the what's behind a lot of the, these practices, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you do it? Um, and there's all sorts of things. These things are to be discerned as far as what you. Everybody talks about giving something up for Lent. My mother gives up sweets. For Lent. Every year? Every year. And I'm like, you're doing this because you want to lose weight. <laughs> and she's like, no. Too burn. No. No, I don't I want to. I want to give it up for Jesus. So <laughs> I'm like, man, but it's a good thing. It is. It's a really good thing. Um, but prayer is the, the primary one. That's, the first, that's what we talk about first. Right. And I think that sometimes that gets forgotten. Everybody talks about giving stuff up. Um, and we do that. Uh, but first, we need to talk about prayer. Um, I know that one of the things that a lot of people... Um, and my family will do is that if they don't already have a holy hour throughout the week, you know, a lot of parishes do perpetual adoration. You can sign up for an hour. A lot of them who aren't already doing that, or if they are, they add another one, uh, just as like, um, more time to pray. Thomas Merton said like the best way somebody asked him once, like, how do you, how do you pray more? Like, or what, what, how can I pray better? How can you improve my prayer life? And his, you know what his response was? Adoration. I love this. No, he just said, you just got to take the time. Just do it. Take the time. He said, and that's the biggest, that's the biggest, hardest thing with our lives, I feel like, with most people. Archbishop Shep used to say that all the time. The hard, half of the struggle of prayer is just showing up. Mm -hmm. Just getting there. Just getting there. It doesn't matter what you do. Just get there. Just make the time. Make the time. And we, we spend time all sorts of stuff. Um, but if prayer is the heart of your life, if this relationship with Christ is the heart of it and you want to foster that, time is the big thing. You can't do it without that. And I think the beautiful thing about the devotion of perpetual adoration that's begun in such huge ways in our country, it's like, you got to get out of your life. You got to get away from your house. Mm-hmm. If I tried to pray in my study upstairs, good night, you know, computer's right there, but we got a room in this basement right over there and it's chapel and it's sacred. And yeah. I think you got to get away. You got to get to that place where it's just like, all right, I can do prayer here. I can really focus. No, absolutely. So. Now I'm sure we have a lot of people listening who are like, Hey, that's great for you. Celibates who have all the time in the world. But you know, I have 14 kids who are, you know, need to go to soccer practice, um, and I can't necessarily just get away to pray. Right. And I can totally understand that. I have a lot 14 of... 14 kids? I have, you know, <laughs> I have 14 kids myself. Let me tell you, it's rough. You might want to bring that up to the bishop before you... Uh, yeah, yeah, impediment. Impediment. Um, no, but uh, and I can understand that. I have a lot of siblings who have kids, and they're probably like, yeah, it's not always easy to get some time to pray. Um, and But you want to... You, 
not everybody can do everything, but you want to do something. How can you be intentional about finding more time? And whether that's like, you know, when I'm in the car, I'm not listening to the radio. I'm going to, I'm going to do a rosary. I'm going to do a decade, or I'm going to listen to a very spiritual podcast. Not this one. Not probably a a spiritual podcast. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll tell you though, like I agree, like you got to find a prayer life that fits your life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But like some of the people I know who are heroic, like uh, there's a family I know in Denver and they, uh, they just told their kids like, Y'all get one activity each this year. You're not going to do everything. And we're not going to play that American game where you have to be doing everything and you have to be the best at everything. They just, like, checked out of that and they got a lot of flack for it, the Tynan family. And um, it's amazing. They pray together. They go to they go to adoration together. Awesome. They go to daily mass every once in a while together. And, like, I know another guy had eight kids and he'd take his kids to daily mass every morning before yeah. school. So, and I mean, that's, that's hard, but, I mean. It's hard. It's let me tell you something to do that. Those people doing that are way more virtuous than I am. When I just get up and I make my whole hour every morning, I have nothing to drag, but if you can do that, like mm-hmm. I, so I don't want to, I don't want to, um, knock trying to find a prayer life that fits your, your family life. You got to do that. But like, if Jesus is asking to be radical, just do it. Yeah. Just go for it. You got nothing to lose. And, and the Lord's going to be generous with you. Right. If you're generous with him, right. you will never be outdone in generosity right. when it comes to the Lord. So, and you'll find this fruitful. I know, I know a guy, I, my dad, I think, used to do this. He used to, he would go to daily mass during Lent, uh, and he would work, you know, 40 hours a week, whatever, and he really busted himself to, to provide for our family, but he would make that sacrifice to go to mass uh, every day before work, you know, get up extra early. So there's there's things you can do. Um, spiritual reading is another huge one, and there's all sorts of, especially stuff that, revol- like, talks about the Lord's passion. Right. I, one that I always go back to, I don't know what you read during Lent, but Dolores' Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ. I usually read both of them during Lent. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> big surprise. Um, Dolores' Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ by Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, right. who was, she was a mystic who, right. The Passion of Christ, Mel Gibson's movie, right. was based off of her visions. But she has a beautiful, beautiful meditations on the Passion Fulton Sheen has some great stuff. Seven Last Words of Christ or of Jesus. What's his name? The Pain and the Suffering of the Christ. Oh, um, yeah. I have that, too. That's what's awesome. his name? It's a small one, but yeah, it's, it's really, really, small really profound. I don't remember. Emirate Vogue. Something. No, not Emirate <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. Um, uh, but, yeah, spiritual reading great. Doing Stations of the Cross, that's a great way to do it. Doing it every day uh, if you have a little book or doing it at least on Fridays. It's a great way to do it. Um, the Jesus Prayer. This is one of my favorites because this is, like, what, two seconds long? Absolutely. Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy, mercy on me, a sinner. sinner. Uh, an Eastern prayer. Uh, but that's just a great prayer to pray throughout the day. Do you know what's the biggest thing about prayer, though? Yeah. Accountability. Mm. If you don't have somebody uh, holding you accountable, um, it's just not going to happen. That's if your true. husband or your wife is not going to – if you can't say, honey, I need 20 minutes at the beginning of the day. Make sure I'm up at 630. Make sure I'm up at 7. Whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I need 20 minutes. Um, and just, just bringing that into dialogue in your marriage or your family life or with friends. I mean, if I didn't have Ty to lift with every week, I would be like, oh, I don't really need to work. Yeah. Today. But he true. shows up and he's like, what are you doing? You know, let's go. And it's just, you got to have it. No, that's huge. And that's why it's good for, fa- especially families and couples to talk about this stuff together. Like, yeah, hey, absolutely. let's do something together. That's just a great way to do it. And you're not going to do this perfectly, but the, the the important thing is the intention and, and really uh, with a resolution that's going to turn into action in your life. So that's huge. That's prayer. Then we talk about fasting. Fasting is kind of the bigger, more popular, what are you giving up thing. Right. Um, why do we give stuff up? Um, you know, we talk about giving up sweets like, you know, Mary Nepple. And uh, we talk about a lot of people, you know, will just drink water or something during Lent. Right. And these are all good things, but we don't give things up. It's important to keep this in mind, not because we're like Puritan, 
you know, and Catholics are, if, if they're anything, they're not Puritan. You know, we, the things of the world, the pleasures of this world are good and they're supposed to be used and in moderation. Um, and they're not supposed to consume us, but they're meant for our enjoyment and to always draw us closer to life to the fullest and to Christ eventually, you know. So that's not why we give things up. Why we give things up is because um, our desires for the more superficial things, for whether it's food, whether it's TV, for me it's like ESPN. That's my big, that's my big uh, guilty pleasure. Um, these things can take us away from from the Lord and take us away from what's important, and they can kind of consume our lives if we don't if we don't pay attention. It's like when you have a kid. I mean, any parent will know this. If you have a kid, and every time they ask for a piece of candy and you give it to them. Eventually, you're never you're going to lose control of right. this kid. You're going to lose control of your house um, because that's he's going to get his way, you know. And our, and our passions are kind of like that. I mean, when we are constantly just kind of uh, feeding them unchecked, they can tend to take away uh, control our lives and take away from what's really important. And so, in a, in a real way, with fasting and giving anything up, it's a way to kind of turn off the noise of our life, turn off the things that distract us, the kind of superficial desires we have. Uh, and when we turn, it's, sub, it's just part of the physics of the soul. You know, when we turn off these kind of more superficial things, right. the greater desires and the deeper desires can really be more heard and more felt. And you can kind of pay more attention to what where God's speaking. Um, and that that's part of what this is about. And it's written into our nature. Like, I remember being in the locker room in high school and I had my conversion. And these guys were like absolutely just pagan as they come, not practicing their Catholic faith. But they would give stuff up for Lent. Yeah. And sometimes it was crazy stuff. Like, I'm not going to smoke weed for 40 days. That's sweet, dude. Like, <laughs> But they just sense that there's something, even on a basic psychological natural level, that when I give stuff up, I grow in gratitude for it. You know, the basic, basic semblance of, of, uh, of a human kind of faculty that changes, that's adjusted to that. It's just huge. Mm. So Yeah, it's absolutely huge. But it's good. And it's good to check that and to... No, really figure out, okay, what are my weak points? And for everybody, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. But what are the things that you get most excited about? What are the things that are your guilty pleasures? Mm-hmm. Like I said, for me, it's ESPN. So those are the things that I'm going to kind for of... For me, make... it's spiritual reading. <laughs> exactly. Not true. For you, it's just, you know, praying too much, you know? I think for me, it's shopping at REI. Really? I love it. Really? I live in Boulder, which is like the mountaineering capital of the universe. So you're going to give that up for Lent? I don't know what I'm... You know what? It's... I'll tell you what I'm going to give up for Lent. I'm going to do a couple things. Um, not that you asked, <laughs> but no. I'm going to tell you, I hate returning phone calls. Hate it. And if you're over 30, you're like, what is wrong with you? If you're under 30, you're like, absolutely. I totally understand what you're talking about. I, it's like the hardest thing ever for me. Emails, no problem. Text, no problem. But my, one of my Lenten penances is when I sit down to work every day to return all my phone calls right away. That is something that is going to mortify me like you would not believe, but it's very unique to me. It's very bizarre. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. So, and these are the kind of things to pay attention to. Like, what are what are the things that are going to mortify you? What are the things that mortify me? Like, it's going to kill a part of you that needs to be killed because right. it's weak. Uh, it's the little man inside of you, right? Um, and that's important. And you know, I have a question for you. What do you think about the whole? So, there's this question. I know what you're going to say. Sundays, Sundays, Sundays. Lent. So, in Lent, you have what six or seven Sundays? You have. St. Joseph, March 19th, March 25th, the Annunciation, you have a couple of solemnities. Right. Now, do you, if you give something up in Lent, do you kind of tough it out during those days? Or do you say, no, this is kind of a day. Sunday is, a break is Sunday. Day. Sunday is Easter. And you count the 40 days of Lent, and it does not include the six, the six Sundays. Right. So I say, enjoy 
Don't make phone calls on Sunday. Enjoy your sweets, Mary Nepple. That's what I'm saying. Interesting. Now, people don't like that because they're like, you're not hardcore enough. But you're losing the sense of Sunday. Mm-hmm. Lent does not trump Sundays. Yeah. I, I, I really don't, uh, you know. No, I, I agree with that. I, and a lot of people. People and, don't like that, though. Like, technically. Subdeacon yes. hem, hemming her. He's going to have issues with this. He probably will. So Sundays, I mean, technically you're right that they're not a part of Lent. And the church, I don't think, requires. I mean, it's kind of, if you try to look into a canon law, it doesn't really specify. Um, but I do think, honestly, it's a really healthy thing to take a break on Sundays. And not just because, like, hey, it's really hard. Give yourself a break. But because, especially for people who want to grow in holiness, I think it's much more of a temptation. And people might be surprised to hear this. But to be more scrupulous and more intense and uh, then let more lax. In right. fact, if you think you're lax and you're really into the spiritual life and you're doing a lot of stuff, you're probably more scrupulous. If you if, have a spiritual director, he'll he'll be telling you, you're probably a little too scrupulous and you'll be like, no, I'm too lazy, which is what scrupulous people say. Exactly. But I think that for, at least for myself, and I know um, this is, it's just a good thing. We're not Puritans and we don't just give stuff up because we're going to tough it out. Like when you have that attitude, um, uh, I just think it points in the wrong direction. It's like I'm not giving this up just to be tough. Right. I'm giving this up to mortify something, um, but uh, to kind of check that with a with a uh, a break in it to kind of remind right. myself that I'm not earning my penances isn't like earning me holiness exactly, or which is a real temptation, especially for those who are young in the spiritual life to think that I'm gonna earn, I'm gonna make myself holier. And penance is not something we just do for 40 days a year. It should be a yeah. practice throughout the year. So like. But it should never trump Sundays. True, and I, I think if you're one of these, if you're if you're looking at something in your life and you're saying, "I but I got to give it up for forty days," you probably shouldn't be doing it anyways. You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? If if it's that bad, it's true. So I'm holding in my hand a copy of the book that I mentioned, "The Pain of Christ and the Sorrow of God." The pain of Christ. That's a this good is, book. If you are listening to this, you should buy this book. At the top, it says Lenten Meditations. This is like so good, and it's tiny. It's by Gerald Vaughn, mm. not Emmerich Vogue. Not Close. <laughs> Gerald Vaughn, uh, Dominican, English Dominican, The Pain of Christ and the Sorrow of God. This is a high, high recommendation uh, from our podcast. That's your awesome. Your podcast friends. Thank you. I just you. found that on Amazon. Awesome, man. So one last thing. I want to wrap this up because we're going long. Wrap it up. But, uh, so we have prayer, fasting, and almsgiving was the last one you talked about. Yep. Uh, and this is just important to keep in mind. Almsgiving doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go give more money to the poor, although that's a big part of it, and you should do that in general if you're not doing that already. But most people, I think, who listen to this podcast are probably already already giving in some ways. Um, and if you're not, you probably should start. Lent's a great time to do that. Um, but it's also good to keep this in mind, this kind of gift of self, this generosity with those people around us in our lives. Um, one, because we're, a, we're the body of Christ. Both prayer and fasting have to do with, like, my individual ground of growth and holiness. Uh, and almsgiving is kind of a reminder of, like, I'm not just growing in holiness myself. We're kind of a body going here. We need to take care of each other and help each other on the way uh, to holiness and help each other with our material needs. And honestly, most of us are probably pretty well off. We're listening to podcasts. Um, We probably have more stuff than we need. Great. um, A great thing that uh, we're blessed to do in the Companions of Christ, uh, which actually I think this might be a good thing for anybody to do. Maybe this will be a cool practice, John, that people will pick up. But uh, one of the things in the Companions of Christ, which is, the association that John and I are members uh, yes. of is on Ash Wednesday every year. We do something called a purge. And we might have mentioned this before on the podcast, but basically what the purge consists of is we just kind of do an inventory, a material inventory of our entire lives. And we start with nothing. And we, 
and this is part of our particular way of doing it, uh, we start with nothing. We add the things that we need for the sake of our state of life and our mission. And uh, it, you find that it's kind of hard to add some things uh, in your life that are very superficial, very superfluous, uh, but that we don't need, you know. And so there's uh, that. that's what we do. But it could be good for some people just kind of like look at your lives. Ash Wednesday is a great time to do it. What do I have that I don't really need in my life? Um, What do I have that could probably be more useful for other people? Maybe it's going through your clothes, ladies, and, you know, bring it. (laughs) Nice. Ladies. Yeah. Or or, uh, guys with (laughs) lots of clothes. Uh, And and finding things you don't need and bringing them down to Goodwill or bringing them down to, you know, know somebody. It is the most freeing thing ever. It's awesome. Our purge every Ash Wednesday is like, I look forward to it every year. You feel, you simplify and you just feel free. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Go for it. It's a great, and especially in our world, it's so materialistic. It's just a great way to check that that you know m- movement in us to kind of find our fulfillment in material things. You know, so it's a great thing to do. Um, but also, almsgiving is a great way to do it too. Uh, so that is, I have more, but I'm not going to stop now because you got to stop this eventually. Nice. Um, so anyway, that's Lent. It's past Ash Wednesday, so you can't do your purge on Ash Wednesday, but you could probably do you it. You still do your purge. Do your purge. You have a free day on a on a Friday or a Saturday. It's do you want a uh, you want an email, my friend? Let's do it. Okay. So first off, we had our first email ever. Who said, "Do not put me on the podcast. Do not name me. Do not oh say yeah, the country, I saw that the country I'm from." So they did not want to be seen. But I just thought that was worth mentioning. But the podcast uh, email that I want to mention is from my man Sean Casey. I had dinner at his house on Monday. Oh, night. you're not reading that email? I'm going to read. No, no, I'm not going to read that one. Why she not? said not to. Well, no, she said just don't say her name. Well, we're not going to read the email. She already knows what we're talking about if she's listening. So That's right. This from That's a, a shout out, I this guess. This is from my man, Sean Casey. He sent this to us yesterday. Hey, guys, thanks for doing this podcast. I find that you treat topics with a respectful insight and offer an honest and refreshing dialogue. My questions are, ready? You're going to answer these. Oh, thank you. Is it possible for believers of different world religions to be right That's a capitalized right, like after we depart this world and hopefully everything gets sorted out right. Is it possible for one religion to be the right religion and all others to be false? In your opinion, is it possible for all spiritual roads to lead to Rome, meaning can can we all worship the same God and have complete different interpretations of spirituality? Thanks for your response. Cheers, Sean. Can we all worship the same God and what? So there was like four questions in there. What was the last thing you read? Um... Can we all be worshiping the same God and have completely different interpretations of spirituality? I think the basic question hmm. is, are all the different religions, Joe, are they all different paths up the same mountain? Right. Or does it really matter which one you choose? Is it just kind of another path to the same place? Yeah, I mean, it ties to your culture and it's important. But essentially, are we really going to say that everyone else is wrong and we're just really right? Cause we, we are so we arrogant. We were born in the United States. That's right. Go ahead. It's my worldview. No, that's a great question. Um, and we have to, as Catholics, and this is actually important to even point to, that there is some, is there truth? Is there something that's objectively true? Right. Um, and we're afraid of that kind of thing because when you, when you claim that there is, is objective truth in our postmodern world, that just seems like a power. It's horrible. A power yeah. play. It's yeah. like, oh, you're just, that's your truth um, that works for you and you're just trying to impose that on the rest of us. Um, and, and that's, for whatever that's, wherever that's coming from, uh, we kind of have to fight for that fact that, like, no, that's that's absurd. That there wouldn't be something that's true. Um, and the uh, when it comes to your question regarding, you know, does it matter which religion we have, or is it possible that we're all worshiping the same God? Um, there is, I mean, there's different religions, and okay, still so take. It depends on which religion you're talking about. Um, if you're talking about Judaism or our Islam, 
uh, we can say it, we you know we would say as Catholics, Judy, the the Jew, we we worship the God of the Jews, the same the God of Abraham, Isaac, and right. and uh, Jacob is our God, and we believe that that God has shown His face in Christ. Uh, the the um, Arabs, uh, the Muslims, they worship the one God, the the God who created, and we worship the one God. So we'd say, yes, Allah is is God. If if they're if by Allah they mean the one God. That's the same person we're talking about. Or the same persons we're. They wouldn't call it persons. Um, but when you talk, I mean, other religions don't even have gods. I mean, or they have way too many gods. Right. Um, and so it depends. Your question kind of has to be nuanced in that way. Um, but uh, I don't know how the best way to answer this. Well, I think what you're hitting on is, for Sean, I think uh, he needs to read Nostra Aetate, the Second Vatican Council document. And Sean, you can send me a text if you sound interested in that. He's got my phone number. <laughs> Um, which talks about the church's approach to other religions, which is very important because we are not saying you're not Catholic, you're going to hell. Right. Right. That, and that's a big deal for that's a lot a of people. That's a huge deal. The base, the quick answer I would give to you, Sean, it, to use an analogy that you did not use, but I used, all religions are different paths up the same mountain. What, what Christianity is saying is that all of those are good and true and they're going up the same mountain. Christianity comes down the mountain. God actually comes down from the summit down to us. It's the exact opposite way that God discloses himself into creation. So it doesn't make us better. In fact, yogis in ancient Hindu cultures are more advanced in terms of their religious technique than we are. They have more beautiful routes than we do up the mountain. But we don't claim to have a better route up the mountain and more better uh, conversation with God. But we say that God has disclosed himself and he's come down from heaven and he's revealed himself to that. And in that, he's fulfilled all the religious tendencies of man that are going up the mountain. And so we can look at every religion and say that's good, it's true, it's beautiful, these different aspects. But I would nuance your image a little bit, I guess, too, is that I would say there's all different paths up the mountain, but we're not trying to get up to the top of a mountain. We're trying to get into the sky. Right. And that's no one religion without the God of the sky. We can get up, you can go up to the top of the mountain in a non-Christian religion, but that's might that might be where you end, um, and we basically my point is that human beings on their own with their own religious impulse cannot reach God. Right. Um, and if I mean, and the church doesn't say anybody who's outside of the visible confines of the church uh, of the Catholic Church is does not have salvation. The church won't say that. Right. Uh, the church does know that salvation has is a gift that's been given to the church, and the church's role is to dispense that gift to the rest of right. the world. And if those uh, who do not practice Christianity and are in union with the church are, um, if they are, if they do attain salvation, it's not by their own merit, but it's by some grace of the one true God who is three persons that uh, unknown to us. And we don't know. And that's, it's not assured by right. any, by any, by, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not assured. And that's the great gift of the sacraments is that there's an assurance of salvation, which gives us great hope, um, uh, which informs the rest of our lives, and that's that's why we that's why we still need to be missionaries. And this right. is a big thing after the Vatican Council that the the, the church kind of said, you know, we're not going to say nobody can re- get be saved outside of the church because we don't really know that. Right. Um, and so people are like, well, well, then we don't really it doesn't matter anymore. We don't need to uh, evangelize. We don't need missionaries because right. everybody can kind of be Christian, anonymous Christian, anonymously Christian. That's, well, that's right. a good topic for a podcast. That's a great topic because uh, I think we thoroughly shanked mm. this question. No, I think we're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> no, okay. we're, we're kind of talking around a no, lot. No, we should do the uh, Anonymous Christian. That's a great... You just led us into a our future topic. Good work, go. Sean. He's going to Peru in two weeks, so by the time he hears this, he'll come back, and then he can listen to the next one. Oh, topic. he'll see your uh, star cross thing. 
Southern Cross, thanks for listening. (laughs) Hey, and thank you for listening. I can't believe you listen. Anybody who got to this point, again, after 80 podcasts. This is your penance. Hey, and here's a question. Send us an email on what we should do our 100th podcast on. Because I want want the best topic ever. How many do we have now? I think we're in the 70s. Okay. So, but when you get there, we want to know. So send us your thoughts on that. That's a great question. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Kind of stuff you should know on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Thanks for those of you who become friends with Joe. He wants friends on Facebook. Thank you. Talk to you later.